I'm here with Meg McDonald from Women Speak for Themselves. You're the executive director. Tell us about uh, what your organization does. Thanks, Father. So Women Speak for Themselves is a grassroots organization that was started in opposition to the HHS mandate, which forced religious entities, churches, but also nonprofits or businesses to violate their conscience by providing contraception and abortion-inducing drugs and in their insurance policy. And what we did is we started a response in saying there are women that don't agree with the idea of pushing contraception and abortion-inducing drugs through the religious entities. So we invite women to be a part of our efforts by speaking out in their communities and letters to the editors on social media, um, in, their, in their churches, in their schools about um, the good that the religious witness has on sex, marriage, and family. So practically, you all send out an e-blast uh, with talking points on these issues? That's right. So about every 10 days, we send an e-blast to tens of thousands of women um, that provides fact sheets, talking points, relevant um, articles or topics um, going on in the news cycle. And we encourage women to then take that information and apply it in their communities, to write a letter to the editor, to speak out on social media, to talk with their schools or their parishes, um, and then to report back with us and let us know, number one, what they've done, number two, kind of what the reception is, so we can get a gauge of, okay, we maybe need to explain something more um, and then, you know, it's a place of encouragement, too. So then we highlight what a particular woman has done in her community, which helps others around the country feel like they're part of something big, feel conf confident speaking out in their community, um, and have encouragement to do so. And I, I know the church has been saying this at the end of Vatican II. They had a beautiful address to women, and you know, now is a time for women to really engage the culture, to speak up. And they have such a powerful voice to bring that... The culture only listens to witness today. It's only going to listen from certain types of people. Talk about that special witness that women have today. Right. Well, you know, studies say that women practice religion more than men. And so when you talk about why women need to be speaking out on religion, they're the ones that are the, the most, most participating. So there's that. But then there's also, you know, with the mandate and just in general with contraception and abortion, there's this idea that that's a women's issue and that all women are on board with this idea of free contraception and more abortion, which just simply isn't true. There's thousands and thousands of women who don't want more contraception and abortion pushed into their communities because they've seen how it's harmed themselves, their sisters, their daughters, their friends. And so having women speak particularly about those issues beats, cuts through that narrative that says all women love abortion because it just simply isn't true. What are some of the things that have surprised you in their comments or letters they've written to the editor or just back to you guys? What's been surprising to you? Um, a couple things. I think one thing that was surprising to us that we continue to receive is how alone women felt. They felt like nobody believed what they believed. And once we kind of gave them a rallying pace, base, a place where they could come, they felt more secure in speaking out. And they were they were educated. They knew what they were talking about. The, for you know, they didn't. They they're writing us sometimes saying we need a fact sheet on this, and here's some da data for you to get started. So there was that that they really were looking for a place where their voice would be heard. But that, I think, then jumps to a broader issue of the need for more, um, more 
work like this that allows women to speak out, that allows them to speak out in areas that are difficult to speak out. You know, contraception is not an easy topic to talk about in society or even in the church. And um, I think there's a real misunderstanding among religious women on why the church teaches what it teaches on contraception or natural family planning, um, but a real openness to learn more. And so um, it's been very fascinating and interesting to hear from women about you know what more they want to learn about that and how we could serve that. And so they they might not be able to fully defend or articulate the church's teaching on it, but they want to they want to learn. And what do you think is the forum to teach them the best way to reach them from the church's perspective? That's a really great question. Um, a couple years ago, there was a study released from the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Um, it was over the person who ran it was Mary Hassan, and what she found is that the the most number one place that women got their faith formation was the homily, um, and that there also was a high number of women that really did want to learn more about the church's teachings on contraception and family. I think the homily is a very difficult place to talk about contraception, um, which is why we probably aren't hearing a lot of homilies about it, and I don't think that what women are asking for is contraception in the cultural sense, but actually like why the church teaches what it teaches. Um, and I think that, you know, it can be done in a homily, although I think it's very difficult. But I think it's also maybe a broader um, question of, do we need to find other ways to engage women in the church so that they're learning, they're getting faith formation besides just in the pew on Sundays? Um, because I think there's nothing more powerful than the witness of maybe a married couple talking to another married couple and saying, listen, we get that this is hard, but let's talk about ways that we can get through this this season and this teaching and help in that area. You know, I, I listen to the news and you, you feel like the pundits and the news people, they are so far gone on this issue that it's, this is like medieval to talk about natural family planning. But you find an openness. What is your circulation on your email? So we have um, more than 42,000 women that have signed on to our letter that, re you know, receive our email. Um, and then we also have almost 63,000 Facebook followers that are following us daily on Facebook. But from your people that contact you, you find this openness to the teaching and uh, wanting to know what the church teaches. And uh, that's, I guess that's a great sign of hope for me <laughs> to hear that. Um, what do you think are some of the comments that you get that are important for women or what women wish the church would address or do? That's a good question. Um, I think that women, um, I think in the, in the realm of like politics and media have taken over the narrative and it can be very overwhelming. One of the places that I think the church could really be a source of refuge for women is to um, to not be trying to keep up with the Joneses as it relates to keeping up with the, okay, we'll push back against that narrative, but to be a place of openness, to be a place of mercy, never uncompromising in teachings, but presenting it with with a mindset and with a, a tone of mercy and, um, and joy. I think that's... Um, there's a hunger for hope in, in our culture. They, I think these women are, they're watching the, you know, they're watching the news, they're reading the news, they're seeing, um, they're seeing what media is putting out about women and sex and family and, um, and they want something different, but they want to believe that that's something different also is possible. And so we have to give them hope that it is. Um, that would be one thing I think that, I think we sense a lot is, okay, this is encouraging. Okay, we can do this. Okay, we've got this. You know, that's an interesting point, too. I know we're here at EWTN. We preach on television, and 
Sometimes I catch myself where I'm just talking to something I just saw in the news, and I'm kind of pushing back hardly, hard with hard and sarcastically maybe against something I heard in the news. For most people that are tuning in watching this with an openness, they're not in that place where the pundit is on the news show that I just listened to. And they don't, it's not going to be effective with them just to speak in a way that's uh, a little bit harsh or something. That's a good a tone of mercy and everything. That's a very good point. Um, what, what do you think? I know there's a lot of talk about women, uh, you know, and taking roles of authority and power and stuff. And I know one thing I, I, I've seen is women do bring a focus on a different set of issues. What are some of those issues that they would be in positions of leadership to bring a focus to that would be helpful? Right. Well, if you look at uh, corporate studies, you'll see that when you have women and men both at the top level, those uh, companies tend to perform better overall. And some of the reasons why is that the man is focused on the bottom line more often, and the women is focused on the people that we're serving. Um, and so, so I think that you know the differences of the way men and women think. We need both. Um, you know, the bottom line is we need to progress the teachings of the church and strengthen you know the the faithfulness to Christ and His church. Um, but um, but we need to do it in a way that's reaching the people of the culture, reaching the people in their pews. And so that complementarity of men and women, um, not, you know, female priesthood, um, certainly staying in line with the church, yeah. but um, but putting women in positions where they can really say, you know what, this is what I'm hearing from the women um, the women in the pews. And that's the other thing. I think that women, um, women talk amongst each other more than men do um they're in the you know the the carpool pickup line at school they're um they're in the school events those sorts of things and so they're hearing you know what's going on kind of the pulse of the community and that really um then allows them to take it to the church and say well like okay we can talk about that teaching but understand this is what's going on in these families and so um so that would be i think a a great benefit to have more women being able to provide those perspectives alongside men in their perspectives. And from what you're hearing too from women, there is a, a great desire for marriage and family. I mean, sometimes I'll, you know, you watch the media, whatever, you, you, there's such a push on lean in and all this. It's like career is so much on the forefront and work is a great good, it's fulfilling and all that, but I think our culture waits it too much. and and to promise this fulfillment from the cubicle, I think is a little right. crazy. <laughs> right, absolutely, right. Women do, um, women and men both do still want marriage and family. And um, you're absolutely right, you're not gonna get the fulfillment from the cubicle. You know, it is important, I will say, as a caveat, it is important that both women and men discern actively their gifts and how to apply them in the world, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're working in an organization. Um, you know, biologically, a woman being at home is, um, kind of the most natural and easy way when kids are young and um, and kids need their parents, you know, involvement. But that doesn't mean that the mom doesn't know that, hey, I'm an event, a great event planner. And so when the parish needs someone to volunteer to plan this event or, um, you know, when my community needs something to plan this event, I can step up and I can help that alongside being home with my kids. Um, so, yeah, but they absolutely do want marriage and family. And I think it's very hard in a culture that's pushing careerism and pushing career to find um, good advice and good support in marriage and family. And so um, 
finding ways to, you know, do mentoring programs or put together, you know, younger couples with older couples and help them troubleshoot. Like these are normal growing pains of a marriage and a family life um, also could be very fruitful to helping um, strengthen the marriage and family in the parish. One last question. It, you know, it seems like we are in such an age of a role of the laity, stepping up, evangelizing, uh, new movements, lay movements, new initiatives. Um, what do you see in terms of that? It seems like women, even, I just feel like even the last five, ten years, it just seems like there's been acceleration of the role of women. Um, what do you see happening in the church on, along those lines? I think that you, you know, there's so many great Catholic universities that have, um, myself being a beneficiary of one of them, that have equipped young Catholics to really understand their faith and be ready to apply their faith in the world and in their churches. And so I think what you're seeing is the beginnings of, as you're saying, ladies stepping up and saying, okay, we're ready. We're ready to come into the church and then go out into the world. And, you know, the role of the lady really is to, you know, receive formation from the church and then evangelize the world. And we need, we need religious, we need the priest, we need the sisters, we need that spiritual depth um, and that um, understanding of the, the true call and then um, the support to then go out and evangelize the world. So I think that um, absolutely we're seeing an increase in, in lay, lay movements and in lay outreach. And I think that um, that's only a positive thing for the church. All right. Well, thank you so much, Meg. Great talking with you. Thanks so much, Father.